Well, while you're being seated, I just want to, uh, I know Casey's already mentioned this, but I just want to say how thankful we are as pastors that we had the opportunity to go and sit before men who have, have done what we are doing now in our first five years, that they've been doing it for 20 years plus, and just the, uh, the encouragement that we have received, uh, the affirmation that we received, the challenges that we received uh, for these two days. There was a lot of information, a lot of things that was thrown at us, but a lot of good things, and we are so thankful uh, that you invested in us as pastors and given us the opportunity to go and to sit and, uh, and be ministered to from these men at Nine Marks, and so we, we are so thankful. Uh, if you would, turn to Romans chapter 4, and we'll get started in this morning. Uh, I want you to hear this. This is, this is kind of the theme. This is what we're trying to get as we, as we close out chapter 4 and move into chapter 5. This is what I want you to understand. I want you to understand that justification by faith alone assures our adoption and results in peace with God. All right, that was a lot, and we're going to break it down. And so I want to say it again. It says, justification by faith alone assures our adoption and results in peace with God. And so this is where Paul is bringing us as he started in the middle of chapter 3 and he's bringing us all the way into chapter 5 and we're going to look at peace and Joe's going to do a great job of ushering us into that. But right here, starting in Romans three twenty one, he says this. This is how Paul really starts his dissertation or his thesis on justification by faith alone. And so he really levels the ground right here and he says in verse 21, he says, but now apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been manifested and is being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all those who believe, for there is no distinction. There is no Jew or Greek, uh, uh, Greek or Jews that has been leveled. And then he continues, he says, for we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, being justified as a gift, as a free gift, unmerited, by His grace, through the redemption which is in Christ Jesus, whom God displayed publicly as a propitiation in His blood through faith. And so this is the gospel. This is the good news that God, through the obedience of His Son, Jesus Christ gave life to you and I so that we could have life in His Son so that we could result as the glory of God, that we the people could be the glory of God. This is where Paul starts when he's talking about justification. He starts with the gospel, and so I want to give you the gospel. It started with creation. It started one day in all of God's glory. He created us. He created this world from nothing. He spoke it into existence. And then he breathed life into our nostrils. He created us. And it was good. It was very good. And we had fellowship with God. And then sin entered. And there was a curse. And one day Adam and Eve, and in their failures to trust God's word, and in their disobedience, it gave birth to sin. It gave birth to death for all for all mankind, for all of creation. But God in all of His glory, guess what? He wasn't caught off guard. He wasn't caught off guard. He knew. And in knowing, He had a cure. And that cure came in the form of Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ came and He lived the perfect life for you and I in obedience to fulfill 
the law and to satisfy God's wrath for all mankind. And he gave his life for the atonement of the world's sin. And he did that on the cross. So there was a cure. It was Christ. And it was on the cross. And because of the cross, it is finished. And sin is no longer reigns over this world. That it's been defeated. Amen? That's good news. And because not only did Christ lay down his life, but he raised it up again. He raised it up so that we could live for him and with him in eternity forever. That is the good news. That is the good news that we need to share in our words and in our life. And so now that we have the gospel, the good news, we have a mission. We can't sit still in this. We can't sit still knowing the good news and the truth, but we must have a mission that comes first, that births out of this. And so in this, our mission is to tell the gospel, to tell the good news that Christ is Lord over all our sins. And that if we have faith, if we have a true faith in God and in His promises, that we can be justified. That in our faith we can stand before a holy God and be reconciled to the Father, the God of all creation, because of what Christ did and not what we have done. And then we will be called children of God, just as Abraham, our father, and many more who walked before us are called children because of our faith, because we were justified by what Christ did and what he did alone. So this is the gospel. This is the mission. And now that we understand that, look at chapter 4, and we'll move on. Chapter 4 says this. Uh, Well, before we get into that, chapter 4, really, this is just Paul continuing, and then we'll jump into the end of chapter 4, but this is really Paul continuing his his argument, his point on justification by faith alone, that he's really still trying to remove these misconceptions that Judaism has placed on justification, that in somehow it's our ability or in our strength that we can stand before God on our own and be justified and be righteous. But he wants to remove that, that we can't do that through our works. We can't obtain that. We don't have the ability to do it. We can't do it through our rituals, through baptism. He uses the example of circumcision. We can't do it. We can't do it on our own. We can't obtain the salvation. And so the promise to Abraham and to his children's that they would possess the whole world was not fulfilled by keeping the law, but it was fulfilled by being faithful to God and trusting in His righteousness and having faith in it. So it's based on faith. Look at Romans 4, 13, 15. It says, For the promise to Abraham or to his descendants that he would be heirs of the world was not through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. And then 14 says, for those who are of the law are heirs. Faith is made void, and the promise is nullified. And so if we could obtain it by the law, then then what Christ did, he did it for nothing. But what Paul is saying here is that you can't obtain it through the law. Matter of fact, the only thing that the law brings to you and I, the only benefit it does to us is that it judges us and that it condemns us. And it says it brings wrath in verse 14, it says that it brings wrath. I'm sorry, in verse 15, it says, for the law brings about wrath. If you want to follow the law, if you want to try to justify yourself by what you can obtain, then you will commit the most treacherous sin of all. 
And that is blasphemy. You will deny the power that God came to save you, that you can't do it on your own. That's blasphemy. So you're saying that what Christ did was not sufficient enough. That the power that he has cannot save you. And you've put your hope in what you can do and what you can contain. And if your hope's in the law, you will obtain this world and you will die with this world. And so Paul says, for the law brings about wrath, but where there is no law, there is no violation. And so now we move into chat in verse 23 through 25 where, where Paul really brings the climax of his argument that justification by faith alone results in this peace with God and it brings assurance to our adoption. It's good news. Look at verse 23. It says, Now, not for, for his sake only was it written that it, is, that it was credited to him, but for our sake also, to whom it will be credited, as those who believe in him who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead, he who was delivered over because of our transgressions and was raised because of our justification. The wonderful thing about Abraham's faith being reckoned in, to uh, or to reckoning as righteousness is that the same divine principle applies to you and I. It applies to you and I. This is not something that was just written for that time. See, the Holy Spirit inspires the truth, and it says in verse 23, it was written for our sake also, so that we would be reckoned just as Abraham was. And so no part of Scripture was ever written only for its time. You understand that? All of Scripture was written for all of time. Look what the psalmist writes in, in, in 78, verse 5, or listen to it. It says this. In chapter 78, verse 5, it says, For he established a testimony in Jacob, and he appointed the law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers, that they would teach them to their children, that the generations to come might know, even the children yet to be born, that they may rise and tell them to their children, that they should put their confidence in God and not forget the work of God, but keep his commandments. And then Paul later in Romans, he, he just he really expresses the same truth. In Romans 15, 4, he says, Whatever was written in earlier times was written for our instruction, so that through the perseverance and the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. The scripture was written for us for all time. And I want to encourage you in that. I don't want you to be discouraged by Scripture when you can't understand, but I want you to seek out. I want you to seek out because it applies to you and I today. And the beauty is, is that in salvation, in what Paul is teaching about the life of Abraham to the Jews, that his salvation applies to them and to us today. And so there's two things I want you to understand about the story of Abraham and his faith. Two very important things for us today to understand. The men who were saved were saved by the same means that Abraham. So today we are saved by the same means that Abraham was saved by, and that's faith. It's faith alone. It's not what we can do, not what we can obtain, but through faith alone. And here's the other truth. Here's the other truth. Men are condemned by the same means as the Jews. Self-righteousness that we try to obtain it. That applies to us today. We're still trying to build things around the life of man that makes us feel good about what we're doing so that we can feel like we're in a right standing with who God is. 
And that is a very wrong picture of what Christ came to do for us. And so today we still do it just like the Jews did it then. We do it now. And so we need to understand that. That Paul's just not talking about their rituals and what they did. But when we look and we examine our heart, when we examine our motives, do we look like the Jews of the old? Do we show up on Sunday to satisfy what maybe the public may see in us? Are we showing up to exalt Christ? Are we showing up to, to make His name known? Are we showing up to grow in Him and in His likeness so that the world can see Him in us? What are our motives? If it's self-righteousness, we will be condemned. But if it's faithful living, if it's faithfulness to God's truth and His promises, we will live forever in eternity with Him. That we can hold to those promises that are true. And so it's very important. So despite Abraham's limited revelation, Abraham could still anticipate Christ, the coming, the Savior, and he believed that God would raise him from the dead. And so how much more reason for us today that we have a full revelation? How much more today can we put our faith and trust in God when he's given us the full revelation? And Abraham did with just partial. Abraham was a man who put his faith in God, and we need to be men that put our faith in God so that the world will see and the world will believe. Believe is truth. And then Paul writes this in verse 25. He says, He, Jesus, was delivered over because of our transgressions and was raised because of our justification. Delivered up. This is a, a judicial term referring to the commitment of a criminal, a criminal to his punishment. And so what Jesus did is Jesus was delivered up. He was delivered up to serve the sentence of death that our transgressions deserved. You and I, what we deserved, he was delivered. He was committed. He was sentenced to death, to suffer, to die for our transgressions. And it didn't stop there. It says he was raised up. Yeah, he was raised up to provide justification before God. Something that we could never obtain on our own, our own strength, our own power, our own merit. So therefore, only by confession and repentance, hear that church, only by confession and repentance can we come to know the Lord. And guess what? True believers confess and repent. They truly confess and repent of what they've done, their offense towards God for their transgressions, that he laid his life down for that. And that we are broken and humbled by that. And that we become before God in need of a Savior. And we confess that with our mouth and we repent in our heart because Christ is the only one who can justify us. It was only by his account, his sacrifice, that ours was wiped clean. And so without stealing all of Joe's thunder from next week, I want to move into chapter 5. If you will, turn to chapter 5 and verse 1. And I'm just going to be here for just a second. 
but it's much needed. It's much needed to understand Paul's flow and where Joe will, will seamlessly take over and move us the rest of the way through chapter 5. It says this, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. The peace that Paul is speaking about is not a subjective, but it's objective. And so what do I mean by that? What do I mean when I say that? It's not a feeling, but it's a fact. It's not a feeling. It's not this feel-good peace that I've done something in light of God. I've done something and I feel good in light of God because I've achieved it. It's not a feel-good. It's a fact. It's knowing that God's promises are true and that He says when He will rescue His children, that He will save them from the wrath that they deserve because of the work of Christ. We can hold true to that. It's evidence. It's it's, it's solid. We, We don't have to shrink back or wonder if our emotions are waving in and out of that peace. It is a peace knowing and having confidence that what God has said is true. And it's true. And so the fact is that apart from salvation in Jesus Christ, we are at war with God. If today you do not know Christ, you are at war with God. Spiritually speaking, you are at war with Him. But if you know God, if you've trusted in God, you stand in peace with God. You have made peace with the Lord and Savior of all. And that is a good thing, and we celebrate that. And so I don't want to go too much further because I do get excited about this, but I'm going to leave it into Joe's hands. And so hopefully I can do this. I, hopefully I can sum up these seven weeks. These seven weeks where we walk through chapter 3 all the way into the beginning of chapter 5. And I want to usher you smoothly into Paul's next thought. And so with that, I want to give you these three phrases that we've already talked about, we've already mentioned, but I just want to confirm them in your life. I want you to understand the truth and, and, and really hold on to the promise of them. And so here's three truths that you need to hold on to. Justification by faith alone. That is a truth. That is a promise. I know you've heard it over and over for the last seven weeks, and I think we talked about this because Paul knows how wretched we are as sinners and how wretched we are as people and how much we want to cling to what we can do, the tangible. How can I achieve salvation? But Paul says it's clearly by faith alone that you have been justified. It's not by your own merit. And so hold on to that truth. Hold on to the truth that we are justified by faith alone. And then here's the second part of that. It brings us into this. It assures our adoption. It assures our adoption. That's why Abraham is our father. He is our father to both the Jews and the Gentiles. It's because that we, because of his faith, we are now adopted into the family and we are called children of God. This is good. And so our justification by faith alone brings us an assurance, brings us assurance that we are in the family of God, that God has adopted us by our faith. And the end of that is that it results in peace with God. Hold on to these, these three truths, church. Hold on. Justified by faith alone, we have an assurance in our adoption, and we have made peace with God. Let me pray. Father, you are so good. We are so thankful that even in the beginning, even before creation, that your plan, that your sovereign plan has already been worked out and that you weren't caught off guard. 
And that you knew that in your creation, Father, there would be a fall. But God, you knew the cure came through Christ and it came through Christ alone and his sacrifice. And that it was completed on the cross. So we thank you for your son that he lived an obedient life, faithful to you so that we could be the beneficiaries of this life and that we could represent you and bring glory to your name and your name alone, God. I'm thankful that your truth, thankful that we can cling to your promises and your word. And Father, I pray that we do that. That in our hope, our hope is not built on a wish, but it's built on the evidence that your promises are true. God, and that our peace, that we can have confidence knowing not just a feeling, but knowing that we have peace with you through your Son, Jesus Christ. So, Father, we are thankful for this letter that Paul has penned through the power of your Holy Spirit, that he has given us the instructions, that he has laid clearly the foundation of our salvation through justification by faith alone. We thank you for your word, Father. Convict our hearts. Convict our hearts. Father, cause us to, to confess and repent of our sins before you. Father, for you are faithful and just to forgive. We love you. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen.